Thank you, Lord, that you're, you're here with us. Thank you, Lord, that you, you gather, us, gather us together, people from all over, all over the city, all over the country, all over the world, and you welcome us into your family. And Lord, as we, as we spend this time and we, and we read some scriptures and we, uh, we focus our attention on, on your words to us, Lord, would you speak to us and would you uh, declare your truth, and even in our hearts, Lord, would you bring, bring freedom, Lord, today? Holy Spirit, would you continue moving in this place, Lord? Amen. Amen. All right, and first of all, I'm just going to read from Luke 24, verses, uh, verses 44 to 49. Um, Jesus said to them, he's speaking to his, his disciples, he says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins shall be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Amen. You might have you might have heard you might have heard this story before, but it was Christmas on the Death Star. And and Darth Vader, Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker having some quality, you know, father-son time around the Christmas tree, because that's what they do on the Death Star. And then and then Darth Vader he goes to Luke. Luke. It's quite good, eh? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He didn't say that. I was just like, I thought I kind of nailed it. <laughs> Look, I know what you're getting for Christmas. And Luke says, no, it's impossible. How can you know? Because, you know, Luke, he always over, he's over, over. <laughs> okay. And Darth says, I felt your presence. Thank you. Yep. The Holy Spirit just left the house. <laughs> I grew, I don't know, a lot of you probably don't understand at all what that was about, but I grew up on Star Wars. I was born in 1977, the year A New Hope came out. It was the year of good things, of good beginnings. And, uh, you know, my brother was already born, but then, you know, I arrived, the favorite son, and, and mum and dad were just so grateful. And anyway, so I grew up, <laughs> where is he anyway? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, Yes. Yeah. Oh man, I I never miss a chance. Anyway, so, um, so I grew up on these movies, and I really love I really loved them. I wanted to be Luke Skywalker. I wanted to have a speeder bike. Uh, I wanted to uh, fight storm stormtroopers, and and stormtroopers. And I wanted to have a lightsaber. And most of all, uh, well, no, <laughs> that's right. Um, 
Yeah, unlike Luke, I wasn't in love with my sister. <laughs> she, she's great, but <laughs> that was going too far. Um, but I twi- yeah, I'm, I'm like spoiling the movie if you haven't seen it. But anyway, and I wanted to be like you. I wanted, I wanted to use the force, say. Eh? And uh, you know, in the movies, the force is this uh, is this mystical, magical energy. And people can harness to do all kinds of things. You know, they can lift spaceships. They can manipulate people's minds using Jedi mind tricks. Uh, they can, uh, like, um, what else can they do? They can have, oh, yeah, they can have incredible fighting skills, like little, little Yoda. Oh, my goodness. And that would have been fantastic, eh, like, in terms of if you're at school and you can use the Force in you, your fights. Um, and then, and then they had this, you know, this repeated line in the movies: "May the force be with you." May, may the force be with you, or uh, use the force, Luke. Just use the force, Luke. So anyway, the force is this impersonal power, and you can use it for your your own ends. I'm going to tie this all into what I'm, you know, to the Bible at some point. Uh, the, you know, the, the force is this impersonal power. You can use it for your own ends. But it's, but it's also kind of got this divine aspects and it, and it kind of, you know, guides people. So last Sunday, I'll, I'll tie it in soon. Don't worry. Last Sunday, I spoke about the, uh, the ruach, the, the pneuma, the breath of God and, and the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. You know, the, the power from on high that Jesus, that Jesus promised in that scripture we read from Luke 24. The mighty rushing wind that filled the house where the disciples were waiting and, and, the, and the flames of fire that appeared and rested on each of them. And we might get the impression from some of this that, that well, the Holy Spirit is, is, is like the force in Star Wars. Or, or a magical power like, you know, in Harry Potter, you know, you wave your little Harry Potter wand. And, and so I haven't really watched too many of those movies. That's, anyway, what, you wave your little wand like Harry Potter or, or Lord of the Rings, you know, like Gandalf. And he, he sort of waves his mighty staff and uses magical powers. And so we might get this impression that the Holy Spirit's a bit like that. That, you know, the Holy Spirit is powerful, incredibly powerful. The Holy Spirit is, is invisible, and we might begin to sort of think, oh, well, the Holy Spirit's just this force, this, this impersonal thing. But He's not. He's personal. The Holy Spirit is, is a person, along with, the, along with the Father and the Son, we have the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead. He, he's, he's invisible and he's mysterious. And so the Bible uses all kinds of metaphors to help us understand. Uh, wind, you know, blow southerly, blow northerly, you know. That's what I talked about last week. If you haven't uh, listened, then go listen to that. Um, wind, fire, rain, wine, oil, all these kinds of metaphors. But then Jesus describes the Holy Spirit in very personal language. And so if you have your Bible with you, uh, can you open it up in, in John chapter 14? And we're, we're going to spend spend a little bit of time in, the, in these chapters. Oh, I've got to turn my little remote on while you're doing that. Here we go. Here we go. Yes. So you might have a paper Bible or you might have a digital Bible. I'm going to start. I'm going to read from John chapter 14, verse 15. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, 
because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This, this, uh, this scripture comes from in the middle of Jesus' final evening with his disciples. The evening before he is betrayed by, by Judas, before he's, he's then arrested, he's tortured, he's crucified. Jesus is giving the disciples, his disciples, a, a bit of a heads up, preparing them for what's to come. Not just over the next 24 hours, but actually over the next couple, the coming days and, and the coming weeks. He promises to give them the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, and he calls him another helper. He says, at this point, who, this, this helper, the spirit of truth, dwelt at this point dwelt with the disciples, but Jesus promises will be in them, <clears throat> which, which is important to, for us to, to remember. The Holy Spirit is with us, like we, we sang about it before. You're moving here, Holy, you know, Waymaker, you're, you're here moving in our midst. The Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit can also be in us. Later in the same, in the same evening conversation, uh, once again, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as the helper. So if we jump into the next chapter, John 15, verse 26. He says, but when the helper comes, but when the helper comes, who, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, this is John 15, 26. When the helper comes, who, are, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will be a witness about me, and you will also be a witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. And then if we turn over to chapter 16, Next chapter, chapter 16, verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Do you ever, do you ever think it just would have been better if Jesus, Jesus stayed? <laughs> if he hadn't gone away? Wouldn't things have just gone so much better? Rather than disappearing off into heaven, if he just stuck around on earth and just continued the, doing the things that we read about him doing, like healing people, feeding multitudes of people with bread and fish, putting everything in order, like toppling unjust systems, healing people. Did I already say that? Maybe I did. And best of all, making wine. <laughs> And sometimes that's how it seems, eh? But, but it's not what Jesus says. He says, it's, it's, you're better off. It's to your advantage that I go. And it's, you're better off that I go because when I go, I can send the Holy Spirit. So there's something about the Holy Spirit com coming, which, which is better, which is better. And, and it's only by Jesus leaving. And what he's talking about here is, is not dying on the cross. It's, it's his ascension into heaven. Only by Jesus leaving could the helper come. And we read, we saw in these passages that he's sent by Jesus and he's sent, sent, by, a, and he's sent by the Father. And the Greek word translated in, in the, the version I was reading was the uh, ESV, English Standard Version, is translated as, as helper. The Greek word is 
is parakletos. And it's, a, and it's a multifaceted word. And so if you've been reading along in, in your Bibles, uh, it might have been a different word. And, and so I wondered if some of you might want to yell out the words that were in, in your translations. Advocate. Counselor. Also, sometimes you read the word comforter. And there's others. And all these kind of descriptions, all these descriptions are useful. Because, you know, as I said before, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is mysterious. And so we have these different descriptions. But this word, this word parakletos, it's two parts. Para, like who's great at parallel parking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, para, it, words like parallel come from uh, the same word, or, or parable, and it means to, to be beside or alongside, to be next to. So when you're parallel parking, you come alongside another car and you try to, you know, uh, get yourself into that gap. Or, you know, parallel, two straight lines, you know, alongside each other. Parallelogram. Yeah, maths, yes. Um, parable, parable uh, is... Is like two. Jesus uses parables to teach about truth, and and the sort of the background to the word parable is is a story that you, you kind of like throw it down alongside a truth that you that you're unpacking. Unpack it. Is and the other word so that's para, come alongside, and the other word kletos means means called, has a sense of invitation to call, and so you put these two words together parakletos, and it means someone who was called to come alongside. Like in a, in a, and it has a, has, a, has a courtroom sense. A defense lawyer comes alongside the defendant to advocate for them. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the third person of the Godhead, and he's been sent by Jesus to come alongside you, like you and me. He's sent by Jesus, and we invite him, and he comes. I think this is, this is amazing. The Parakletos here alongside us. Does he come to give us magical powers like Harry Potter <laughs> or like the Force? Uh, not really. And by not really, I mean not at all. <laughs> not at all. The, the Apostle Paul in, in 2 Corinthians 3 17, I use my clicker. Uh, you know, I forgot to use it before. Man. Thanks, Anne. You got the slides up, and then I forget to I forget to use them. The apostle Paul says, "Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom." And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Transformation into what we are beholding, as we behold God. As we behold God, somehow gazing on Him and giving Him our attention, we're, we're transformed into His image. This is so much better than the magical powers that Harry Potter has or, or the, you know, the force or whatever you kind of imagine. This is so much better, transformed into the likeness of God. And all of this comes from the Spirit. He says, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And also in this, para, in this passage, where He is, where the, where the parakletos is, there is freedom. He enables. He brings about the transformation. 
I think this is, this is really, this is, this is such good news for us. This is incredible. This is earth-shattering good news. Christianity is not, is not like a religion that says, just you just got to believe this, you got to do this, and more importantly, don't do that, and then you're going to be right with God. Instead, Christianity is a dynamic relationship of freedom in which God himself, by, by the Holy Spirit, comes alongside us to transform us into the very image of God from one, degl- from one degree of glory to another, as we behold him in his glory. And this, this, is at least, this is at least part of the reason why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Because it's, it's by the Holy Spirit that we can be in the presence of God at any, any moment, transformed by Him. Uh, back, in, uh, back in 2017, back in June 2017, I, I had, a, I had a, a couple of dreams, and I just want to share, share the first one. And it's a short one, and I, I think I might have shared it before, but... But, you know, I'm going to go there again. And, and in this dream, uh, I, was on the, um, I was on the Wellington waterfront. So, sort of, you know, you might know the area, the train station. Then you have, have Bunny Street and uh, you've got McDonald's and a pharmacy and my favorite cafe, New Chapter. Oh, New Chapter, go there. Such good coffees. Amazing. Anyway, so in this dream, I was, I was there on, uh, on Bunny Street and I was listening to a, um, listening to a preaching podcast and, and the preacher was saying something like, isn't it incredible that God is so generous? And then he talked about how, how the Holy Spirit, how in the Holy Spirit, we're in the throne room of God, that God sends his Holy Spirit, and then and there's somehow, somehow in the Holy Spirit, we're in the throne room of God. Somehow the Holy Spirit makes that possible. God is so generous with his Holy Spirit, his presence, and his throne room. And this is something that the Holy Spirit does. He enables us to be in wherever we are, whether we're walking down Bunny Street having, or having a coffee at New Chapter or in McDonald's or whether we're at, at, at work or at university or uh, at school or uh, the last place I think of is at church. Um, that, but the Holy Spirit is, is the one who enables us to be in the throne room of God. And even to and even to enable us to um, to behold God in His glory, and in that space of of adoration of God, he, he transforms us. You know, this reminds me a little bit of that story of of, of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, while while uh, her sister Martha was like busy doing stuff, and it's and it's Mary who's receiving the good portion. He's amazing. So come, Holy Spirit, even, even now, would you, would you increase your presence in this place? Lord, may we behold your glory, Lord. Thank you. So, so last week, we looked at the beginning of uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, this incredibly dramatic moment that the Holy Spirit fell upon 120 people who had been praying yeah, before 9 a.m. in an upper room in Jerusalem. And that we, we looked at how the wind, there was wind and fire, and then they spoke in different languages. And then they were, they were thrust out from the upper room, out onto the streets, and began telling people about the mighty works of God. And they began telling them about Jesus. And, and the apostle Peter, I mean, talk about a transformation. Uh, and, he, and he stands up. 
And he stands up boldly and preaches about Jesus so powerfully that it says that people listening were cut to the heart. In Acts, 20, in Acts 2, 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They've been convicted by the Holy Spirit because this is another thing that the Holy Spirit does in people. He convicts them, which, is, which, which sounds, it sounds like a heavy word, but it's basically like a revelation of what is true and what is not. The, the conviction, it, sometimes it feels, it feels bad because we realize that we haven't been believing, we haven't been living in a way that is true. Convicted by the Holy Spirit, and they wanted to know what to do. And Peter says simply this, repent and be baptized, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.38. Repent, which is, you know, like turn, turn away from the things that you've been like, like worshipping or fixing your attention on, and turn your attention towards God and what He's doing. Repent and be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and in that day, about 3,000 people were saved, which is just hard to imagine, eh? Like, imagine if we had a, had a prayer meeting here. It has to be a prayer meeting um, early on in the day because it's like before 9 a.m. There's 120 of us up here, which would be everybody. <laughs> everybody that I got on the, the CV mail list. Everybody comes along to church, we pray, the Holy Spirit falls, we go out on the streets, we tell people about the mighty works of God, and then all of a sudden 3,000 people come to faith. It's just, yeah, <laughs> bring it on. But here we see, we see the, tra- the, transfor- the transformational dynamic of the Holy Spirit, the transformational dynamic of the Holy Spirit. These 120 people they're now like confident and bold. They've been, I don't know if they've been, they've been waiting in the upper room, but I suspect they've also been hiding in their upper room. But here we see they're now confident and bold out on the streets. They're prophesying. This is what this says. They're prophesying. They're preaching. They're unashamed. They're unafraid. Like this is transformation, right? <laughs> The Holy Spirit is, is also clearly, when you read these passages, He's also clearly at work out on the streets of Wellington. I mean, Jerusalem. Yeah, I did that on purpose, you know. He's clearly at work. He's doing the stuff. He's, he's convicting people. He's like, He's preparing them. He's opening their eyes to the truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus has promised this. Remember when we read back in John 15, and He said that the Holy Spirit will, will bear witness about me the Holy Spirit will bear witness about me, and you will also bear witness. And we see this dynamic, the Holy Spirit at work and the people on the streets, and, and then, the, and then the, the people of God from the upper room also bearing witness. Cool. But there's more that we can discover about the work of the Holy Spirit in this chapter. And so if we pick it up, so uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2, 42, or you read it on the screen. <laughs> We're going to, as, as we read this, we're thinking about the work of the Holy Spirit in, in these people. 
And it says this, picking it up, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Here, here's some of, the, some of the characteristics that I read here of the people who are being transformed by the Holy Spirit. They are they're bold witnesses for Jesus. They're bold witnesses for Christ. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching, which for us would be, would be mainly the Gospels and, and the letters of the New Testament, which build on the Old Testament. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're devoted to the fellowship. Do you know their name, the, the actual proper name of our church is Vineyard Christian Fellowship? Fellowship. So this is talking about the church, devoted to the fellowship, which is the church. They're devoted to the breaking of bread. We did that today, communion. They're devoted to having communion together. They're devoted to the, it says that prayers. They're devoted to that prayers, which, which I heard someone speaking about, and they, and they wondered if this was talking about like set prayers or, or the prayers of the Psalms or, or different almost um, liturgical prayers. I, I suspect it's probably both, like uh, set prayers as, as well as spontaneous prayers. Praying together, they're devoted to the prayers. It's interesting to me how uh, we, often, we often read this passage and we think that about the signs and wonders being the biggest thing, but it's sort of like couched. It's, it's, a, it's, a, small, it's a small thing. It's not a small thing, but, it, but there's, there's many other things as well. But it says, it was not everything. And awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. So they move in signs and wonders, which uh, is, is doing the stuff that Jesus did. You know how before, you know, I was talking about the things that Jesus did, healing people, um, setting people free from demons, uh, opening, opening the blind eyes, opening the deaf ears. <clears throat> they move in signs and wonders. So far, so good, right? And then, and then okay, this gets a bit more, get a bit more intense. And then they're, they're together. It says they... Uh, um, All who believe were together, they're together, and they have all things in common. <laughs> you know? Like, seriously, who, who wants that? You want to come to church, your Holy Spirit to move, and then all of a sudden we kind of bring all of that, what we have, and we kind of live as this commune. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, uh, this is what we're becoming, like a kind of a culty commune thing. No, like, it's pretty intense, though, way. Eh? Together, and they have all things in common. Whoa, I, I think uh, I, I kind of describe this as like a, it's a radical community. Yeah. I'll, I'll come back to this briefly in a second. 
It says that they're selling possessions and belongings to provide for those in need, which I think is radical generosity. <laughs> I think, you know, usually we, we kind of give out of, out of uh, you know, almost like out of, out of the excess that we have. But, but to go, oh, there's someone in need. I need to sell something that I've, I need to sell something of my own to provide for those in need. This is what they're doing. Radical generosity. And remember, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember that. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And more, not only that, it says they, they're attending the temple daily, eating together. They're happy. <laughs> yeah, that's good news. They're happy. They're praising God. Uh, I don't know how many of you read the, the verse for today in the Bible app. I thought it was really amazing today. Second Corinthians. It says Second Corinthians. I'm calling it up right now. Uh, here we go. Second Corinthians nine seven says, Paul says, each one each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And I think this is what we see in this passage. We see people who've been moved in their hearts. You know, it's not someone like uh, like telling them what to do, but they've been moved in their hearts to give, and they then they're doing it. Cheerfully, they're praising God. They're happy. The Holy Spirit transformed these people so radically and moved in that city of Jerusalem so powerfully that the world hasn't been the same since. And so we, we might wonder, like, what, what might it look like if the Holy Spirit moved in a similar way in churches in Wellington in our time? I think what we see here is we catch a glimpse of, of heaven, like heaven on earth. We catch a glimpse of the kingdom of God, a community of the kingdom of God and what that might look like. And, and uh, we can't make this happen on our own. And sometimes people try, like I joked before about communes and cults. I shouldn't joke about that because sometimes people try and, and, they, and they go, okay, this is, what we, this, is what, this is what it looks like. This is what we've got to do. Okay, Capital Vineyard, I want you all to go home. I want you to go and trade me or wait for a free selling day and sell all of your stuff. And then bring all your money to me. I mean, Zoe uh, or Miranda. No, bring all your, anyway, you know what I mean? And, and they kind of force it on people because this is, the, this is human. This is human nature, right? Force it on people, you know, going, going the way of manipulation and control. But that's not what we want. <laughs> no, no way. Far from it. And it's not what God wants. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is there is Freedom. Not control, not manipulation. He he does the inner work. He writes his he writes it on the script on the tablets of our hearts. He does the inner work as we invite him, as we partner with him, as we are compelled by him, as we are inspired by him. But it's really awesome to like read to read these words of what it might, what it might look like, because then it can kind of like. It can kind of shape our imagination. And we can begin, and it's almost like we go, well, God, do I, do I want that? Because sometimes we might go, oh, we want you, Holy Spirit. We want more of your Holy Spirit. And then you go, oh, but the Holy Spirit moved these people to sell everything they have. Or to sell, not necessarily, didn't say sell everything they have, but to, but to sell their possessions to give to the people in need. Do I want that? And, and, it, and it's okay to say No. <laughs> Okay, it's all right to say no, because then you can go, okay, Lord, I actually don't want to sell my stuff to give to people in need. Holy Spirit, but I want to be, I want to be at least going in that direction. Lord, I want to be coming more like you. So, Lord, would you come and do that work in my heart so that I at least want to 
want to <laughs> become that kind of person. Does that make sense? Well, so there's things, you know, there's the, part, of the, part of this passage, it talks about that they'll go to the temple daily. That's not something that we can do <laughs> in the sense, oh, what temple are you going to go to? But you do, you do read stories. You do see these things in history where the Holy Spirit moves on a people, and then they're kind of like, just, they just want to meet together daily. So what might it look like in Wellington City in 2022? And do we want it? Well, we do. I think we do. So let's invite him today. I'm coming in uh, end of end of end of my notes. Here endeth the sermoneth. Well. But what I'd like to do is almost like to, to invite you to invite you to stand and um, or or to remain sitting if you feel like it, but to to invite him to dwell with us, you know, to invite the, the Paracletos to, to dwell with us and in us, like Jesus promised in John fourteen. Also, I, I wondered I'd been thinking about you know that scripture that we that we opened with about if you if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. You might be here today, and you, and you don't know where you're at with God. But today is the day to make a decision for Jesus. Like the people in Acts 2, you might be feeling like that conviction within. That you need to make a change. Today is the day. Also, I've been thinking about how, uh, like, like some, some of you, you might, you might actually want a, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. You might not have ever had someone pray for you to invite the Holy Spirit on you and in you, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so in a moment, we'll have, have an opportunity to, to actually to have that, to have people lay hands on you and invite the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's, it's not about them, but we do this together, to be filled with the Holy Spirit for freedom and, and for healing and, and for whatever else. Um, so why don't we stand if you want. <laughs> and uh, just get out your uh, wallets and uh, get into the... <laughs> thank, you, thank you, Lord, for, for your amazing presence with us today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You, you're, the, you're, you're here with us. You're moving in this place. We welcome you, God. Would you even, even now, like, Holy Spirit, would you would you come alongside us? Blow, mighty wind of God. Or would you fan into flame the gift of God that you've placed within us? Come on, Spirit. Come on, Spirit.
Holy Spirit, would you, would you make this place a throne room for the King of Kings? Lord, we don't have, we don't have to strive, but we invite you. Lord, would you, would you even uh, help us to behold, behold God? Spirit of God, would you transform us to be more like you, Lord? Come up.